Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Bakersfield 3 is proudly part of the ACAST Creator Network. When it comes to a detective being assigned a homicide case, it's pretty similar to a reporter being assigned a story. And it's not that sexy. Usually it boils down to if it's your shift or not. If I'm on the clock sitting in the newsroom when a shooting happens, my producer would tell me to get out to the scene and cover it. Therefore, it becomes my story. Such is the case with a detective. On the day it's their rotation, if a crime happens, they go out to the scene and it's their case. But with both news stations and police departments, sometimes a crime happens when all the on-duty reporters and detectives are already assigned. So producers and homicide sergeants have to scramble. If the news station calls you when you're off, it's not to ask you how your day is going. Same thing for cops. On April 8, 2018, it was already a very busy night for the Bakersfield Police Department. The on-call homicide detectives were already assigned to other cases when gunshots rang out in a quiet community around 1 a.m. I was the fortunate person to answer my phone. Short and easy. And I responded out, and then I became the lead in Colstead's case. Sergeant Chad Garrett, then a homicide detective, was fast asleep at home next to his wife. I imagine him groggy, blurry-eyed, getting dressed in the dark on his day off, having no clue that he wasn't just taking a case when it wasn't his shift. He was taking what many would consider one of the most complex cases the police department has ever seen. And nothing surprised me in this case, put it that way. Every time I talked to somebody, they would say something, and I'm like, that never happened. There's no way. And then I could prove it happened. I'm Olivia LaVoice, and this is The Bakersfield Three. On the surface, the murder of James Colstead seemed simple enough, a drive-by shooting in a cul-de-sac with witnesses. But that changed a little over a week into the investigation when Detective Garrett got a call from James's mother, Di, asking to meet. Right after Cheryl and I got together and talked in person, I made an appointment and we both went to BPD together. And she said, well, I have a homicide detective. I'd like for you to come with me. By this point, Micah's mom, Cheryl, was dealing with a missing persons detective, 
as Micah was just considered missing, not a victim of foul play. The missing persons detective was not very positive at all. He was, uh, nobody's going to talk to us. It's not illegal for him to be missing. You know, you'll probably hear from him in a couple weeks. He's probably just ducked out because he had girl trouble kind of attitude. In that sense, the idea of getting to talk to a homicide detective seemed like a gift. And Cheryl came prepared. I had 11 typewritten, single-spaced pages of, I saw Mikey, or, you know, we, I left Mikey here. I talked to Mikey here. This person said this. This person said that. Just gave him just a lot of information and phone numbers for everybody. Even though Micah was a grown man and most adult missing persons are found perfectly safe, Sergeant Garrett had a feeling this wasn't one to brush off. There were some strange circumstances in that case. So despite being a homicide detective, he found himself somewhat unofficially investigating Micah's missing persons case as he investigated James's murder. And looking into Micah's case very quickly pointed to Bailey and her disappearance. Basically, anytime I was doing this investigation, I was actively investigating three cases. You know, so anytime I did all these interviews, I was asking about all three. The three cases were naturally intertwined, seeing as they not only all knew each other and either disappeared or were murdered within 30 days, they also had so many mutual friends and acquaintances which is where the three moms zeroed in on what they called the circle. They did a deep dive on every person their kids had in common and made sure to send everything to Sergeant Garrett, which was a lot. How crazy do you think you've driven some people in law oh enforcement? Oh my gosh. Pretty oh. crazy. <laughs> oh, bless his heart. Sergeant, Sergeant Garrett, he's a sergeant now. Bless his heart. No, he gets yeah, lots of messages from us. Still. Weekly for me. I know weekly from you. In the beginning, the emails weren't weekly. They were daily, sometimes several times a day. And there were phone calls and impromptu visits to the police department. It could be a challenging uh, task or endeavor, but uh, all their hearts in the right place. The legwork they were putting in is obviously appreciated. They, they did a lot of the hard work on their end. They talked to a lot of people. Garrett would often joke, you guys need to open up your own detective agency. You're pretty good. Figuring out all the key players and how they connected to the three was significant. But so was really understanding the ins and outs of Bailey, Micah, and James' relationships with each other. Micah and James's friendship seemed pretty straightforward. James was 38 when he was killed. Micah was 34 when he disappeared. So they were fairly close in age. And there's no mysterious circumstances behind how they met. A couple years before his disappearance, Micah worked as a financial advisor at Wells Fargo, which is where James did his banking. Bailey and James, it seemed, were probably more acquaintances than actual friends, in terms of they weren't hanging out one-on-one, -on -one, more so just attending the same parties, social gatherings, and whatnot. But in terms of how Bailey and Micah knew each other, that was a little more complicated. Police department, can you hold, please? Kind of. How can I help you? I need to get an officer out to my house. There's a woman that will not stop coming in my house. I keep trying to throw her out. Okay, what's your address? She made four entries into my home with that me telling her to leave. 
4611 Rushmore Drive. What, what is her name? I don't know. You don't know what her name is? Is she coming into your house? I know her name is Bailey. I don't know what her last name is. Is she white, black, or Hispanic? She's white, five foot two. Is she? About how old is she? Sir. She's, I'm on the phone to you. She's 20 years old. Okay, well, I, I asked you three times. What color clothing is she wearing? Well, she's trying to grab in my pockets while you're doing that. Can I'm trying to get her away, away from, from her. her. Just walk away from I her. I did walk away from her. I've been walking away from her for 20 minutes. Okay, yeah, what I is, away from What her. is your name? My name is Micah, M-I-C-A-H. And your last name? Colton Bank, H-O-L-S-O-N-B-A-K-E. Micah's 911 call came in July 2017, about 10 months before he disappeared and nine months before Bailey also went missing. Their friendship never made sense to me. That's Bailey's older sister, Caitlin, which brings up another connection. Caitlin and Micah were friends, but she isn't the one who introduced Micah to her sister. In fact, she had no clue they even knew each other until the night Micah called 911. I was friends with Micah while he was still doing good, while he was the broker at a bank, um, had a house over here on this side of town. We would just watch TV, hang out, nothing more. And I know there's all those rumors about how Micah and I dated. And those aren't true. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're not. But after... He started getting real bad was when I distanced myself. And that, that was at the same time I found out him and my sister were hanging out and it didn't make sense to me. It was pretty jarring for Caitlin to find out the way she did, trying to figure out how they knew each other while also trying to make sense of Micah calling the cops on Bailey. She had came home and was telling my mom and I the story about it. And so I reached out to him asked him what was going on. Micah told Caitlin Bailey was over with a group of people and had too much to drink and got belligerent and then wouldn't leave. I go, okay, well, thanks. And I figured that was the end of their friendship. When it came to light that the two had hung out with each other, it seemed strange to both Bailey and Micah's loved ones. Micah was 34 when he disappeared. Bailey was just 20 years old. So the age gap was a bit startling. Here's Micah's mom, Cheryl. Micah was very much not someone who would be hanging out with a 19-year-old. He really, I would say, would play more of a big brother role in if he was talking with young women that age. After Micah went missing, I heard from two different young women who told me Micah helped them get out of trouble and ultimately out of town. Whether it was a bad relationship or they were hanging out with the wrong crowd, it seemed to be a part of his personality most people in his life knew about. Though not everyone described it in the nicest terms. Here's Jeremy Bell, who was friends with Micah, James, and Bailey. And he would always try to play like Captain save and go like rescue these girls. And that's what I'm assuming happened with Bailey. What does that mean? Just exactly how it sounds. A girl's in trouble with, you know, a girl is gets into an argument with a guy or the guy that she's with is being mean to her. So she calls one of her guy friends to come and get her out of the situation. And that was Micah. 
I've been told Bailey once called Micah for help when she was dating a man she'd eventually get a restraining order against. But not long after they both went missing and a few weeks into me looking into the cases, I found another possible connection between the two. It came in the form of a search warrant with their names right there in black and white. The warrant was for phone records that would show text messages between Micah, Bailey, Matt Queen, who was dating Bailey, and his friend, Matt Vandecastiel. They were looking for messages about the manufacturing of high-power assault rifles that are illegal in California. Here's a clip from a video law enforcement says shows Matt Queen test-firing one of the guns. The warrant also mentioned the term ghost guns, meaning the guns don't have serial numbers on them, which makes them untraceable. I was showing mine for $1,500 a pop. I included a silencer, it was 2000 Here's a guy we'll call Sam, who said he had some involvement with making these guns with the mats and Micah. We didn't sell them as ghost guns. We didn't sell them as untraceable. Uh, we just built them. But is the point of these guns to sell them to people who can't purchase them legally? It's so that people like me, who I've been a felon since I was 18 years old, I can't go in the store and buy a gun, but I was able to go and buy parts and build my own. Sam says at the time he was a drug dealer from a rough part of town. So in that sense, his involvement in this type of thing wasn't all that surprising. But what was Micah doing involved in this? And Matt Queen, who worked full-time as an electrician. But it was reading Bailey's name that I think threw me off the most. And now in addition to Micah and Bailey being friends, according to the search warrant, it was possible they were also involved in criminal activity together. And Matthew Queen was no longer just the boyfriend of a missing woman. According to the search warrant, he had ties to Micah too. I was dying to talk to him. But when I got Queen on the phone, he was quick to say no to an interview. But before he hung up, he added, there is much more to this story than you know. The next time I tried to speak with him was in person. I walked up and asked if he was Matt Queen, to which he said no and quickly walked away. But based on his Facebook post from the next day, I'd had the right guy. The post was a photo of me with a lengthy caption that reads in part, Olivia, I know you're young, but be sure to do your homework before you decide to ambush somebody. Jane Parent has a mental disorder. You're only regurgitating the fantasized life of Bailey Despot. I don't doubt her concern for Bailey's whereabouts, but I'll tell you this much. Bailey ran away. Bailey cannot tolerate her mother. It's mindless sheep like yourself and the sheriff's department that allow this paranoia to become harmful to others. Micah and Bailey are not as they're being portrayed. Jane Parent is going out of her way to cast suspicion upon me. False testimony is a punishable crime, is it not? Do your homework, Olivia. You keep barking up the wrong tree, and I'm going to embarrass you for having none of the answers. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. As someone who hears about crime day in and day out for a living... I try to find a balance between being aware of the terrible things that can happen to people, especially women, while also not trying to let those thoughts take up too much space in my head. I strive to be conscious of safety without being fearful. And what really helps me strike that balance is having a home security system. When I turn my Simply Safe alarm on before bed, I just sleep better, and that alone makes it worth it to me. Your home is where you should feel the safest, and having that sense of security is really nice especially when you're binging true crime all the time, like I know a lot of you listening probably are. Some great things about Simply Safe is it's really easy to set up. There's 24-7 customer service, there's no contracts, and there's a 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of my listeners peace of mind, and you deserve that too. Right now you can get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/bakersfield. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Soon after, Queen's Facebook page caught my attention once again and got a lot of people talking. But before I get into that, I have to rewind a little bit. Remember Bailey's friend Sarah? The one who commented on my first story about Bailey and Micah and said she and Bailey knew him as more than an acquaintance. Well, when Bailey disappeared, Sarah was dating Matt Van de Castile, who was good friends with Matt Queen. It gets confusing because of the two Matts, I know. But the important thing to remember is Bailey and Sarah were close friends dating another pair of close friends, the two Matts. And two days before Bailey vanished, Matt Van de Castile was arrested. This came after Sam, the guy who spoke previously in this episode about ghost guns, called 911 to report Matt Van de Castile for trying to attack him with a gun. There was another guy with Van de Castile, but Sam didn't get a good enough look at him to ID him. Here's Sam describing what happened that day. Bailey Snapchatted me, saying, let's meet up. And I was all sure, you know that. I've been gone for a while, I'd love to meet up. When she finally showed up, it wasn't her. I saw uh, Matt run out of the car with an AR uh, running towards the motel room, so I slammed the door shut and called the police. They were trying to kick in the door, um, and the window was cracked. And I heard Matt go, it's just me, it's just me, I just want to talk, and I'm all, hell no. I saw you run up with a gun. What did you think they were going to try to do? I thought they were going to kill me. You don't run at somebody with an AR like that unless you're going, that's not a robbery. A robbery, you try to be sneaky about it. They weren't wearing masks or nothing. They didn't have no sneak in them. Sam says he doesn't really know why Van de Castile and the other guy he couldn't recognize at the time were doing this. He said he heard something about a missing license they thought Sam may have stolen. Regardless, it was clear someone else was using Bailey's phone pretending to be her to lure Sam into a trap of sorts. Flash forward to the end of May 2018. 
Matt Vandecastiel had been sitting in jail, and Bailey had been missing for about a month. He and his girlfriend Sarah, who was also Bailey's friend, talked on the phone constantly. What's up, baby? Hey, love. Just what happened to me today? What? Two detectives came and saw me. Really? Oh, About I'm what? Gonna, I'm going to say it right now. Remember, my, my, my phone calls are recorded. They're trying to implicate me in that. What? They, they investigated me for murder today. What the fuck? For for who? What the fuck? Who? Who? What kind? Who's murdered? Like who the fuck died? You know? It okay. It's a murder slash missing person. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah. Bailey was missing. Bailey was last seen two days after you were already incarcerated. That's not even right. No, that's what I said. There wouldn't be nothing like that I, that would piss me off, right? If I was just like, if I saw messages between you and Matt, right? No. Why? Because it's like, I don't know they brought, like, the detectives brought all that shit up. Just a few days prior to this call between Matt Vandecastiel and Sarah, Matt Queen was arrested after he was seen in the surveillance video with a gun in his waistband. This was the incident from episode one where he dropped off Bailey's belongings at a friend's house. Anyhow, when detectives went to Queen's house to arrest him, they saw a young woman there with long brown hair. Reportedly, an officer actually asked, are you Bailey? But it wasn't. It was Sarah. Like, who's your girlfriend? I mean, I was like, Sarah? And she's all... The text was like, well, you know, she was uh, she was at Mr. Queen's residence the day. We and you said, yeah, night. I know. I know. I said, yeah, I know. I'd be like, well, you don't think that's weird? I said, what's weird about it? Like, well, I wouldn't want my girlfriend having a relationship like that with another guy if I was incarcerated. Um, They don't understand. They're just trying to make shit. They're just trying to piss you off to talk, you know? I know. That's stupid. The conversation shifted briefly to what may have happened to Bailey. Maybe the same person that took my kid to take Bailey. Maybe. For real. Like, they're two people connected with all the same people. They both agreed Queen was being unfairly scrutinized for Bailey's disappearance. Matt Vandecastiel told Sarah that he told the detectives Queen loved Bailey more than anything. Did you do anything for it? I was like, yeah. that went on and put up flyers and shit. He was tore up, dude. He was so was tore up. He started the initiative was, to try to find her, not her family. Baby, they, I know, but her family's just trying to like cause drama between everything. But like, he was actually tore up about this shit. Like, he was he like started crying to me the first time I went and hung out with him. Like, and I knew she had been missing because of like this, like what he had told me, like over the, the first phone. Time you guys hung out. Baby, we've hung out a couple times. You've never told me that. Yes, I did. Yeah, you haven't. I was like, I saw Queen today, you know? When I told you, you I told me you've talked to him because it's never that you guys have hung out. Oh, my goodness. It wasn't like that. But, um, it was just a talk, baby, it was just a talk about things like this. Okay, whatever, dude. Vanda Castile knew Sarah was with Queen when he got arrested. 
but it seems he was taken off guard upon hearing Sarah say she'd seen Queen multiple times and used that term hanging out. But he brushed it off. He wasn't going to let those detectives from earlier get in his head. By the end of the call, Sarah and Van de Castile were their normal lovey-dovey selves. I just think about you and I think about our future. Okay, I, I love you across the sky deep as the ocean. I love you across the world and back. Exactly one month later, Matt Van de Castile and Sarah had another call that started out normal enough. How you feeling? I'm feeling okay. I'm watching Game of Thrones. I fucking love that show. I am Daenerys Targaryen. I have no idea what you just said. I am Daenerys Stormborn Targaryen. Oh, uh, now I understand. Because I... Mm-hmm. My tummy hurts. I'm sorry. If I was there, I'd rub it. I know. I do love you. I hope you know that. I know. I love you, too. But a few minutes later... I have to live my life, and I don't want you to worry about what I'm doing. Yeah, but you know what I mean? When we're supposed to be living a life together... But your life is on hold, and I can't do the same for me. I'm 20 years old. I guess. This is what God wants. He took you away from me for a reason. Because you can't be in my life right now. The tone suggested Sarah was saying, for now, they should both move on. So are you really living at your aunt's and aunt and uncle's? Yes. For real, for on your Yes. On your sister's life, and I swear to God. Matthew. I'm, just say it. No. So what are you saying then? With a friend. Who? It doesn't fucking matter. Is it Matt? No. Swear to God? Matthew. Swear to God? No. That seemed to confirm to Matt Van de Castile it was, in fact, his friend Matt Queen she was living with. Tell that motherfucker he's a dead man when I get out. Matt. I swear to God. You need to stop. I'm coming for him. Like, if you even love me, why are you talking to me like that? I'm just saying, if you love me, why the fuck would you move in with him? I'm telling you, I didn't. Yes, you did. Matt, calm down, okay? You know I love you. Yeah, but you love, you probably love the person you're living with more than me, though. No, I love you. But less than two weeks later, Sarah updated her Facebook relationship status. It now said in a relationship with Matt Queen, which led to the last time Matt Van de Castile spoke to his old friend, leaving him this voicemail. What's up, homeboy? So, you thought it was a good decision to hook up with my girl while I was locked up? Well, what goes around comes around. Just remember that. We had our suspicions that they were dating for a while. Bailey's sister, Caitlin. When Bailey first went missing, the post that Sarah would make in regards to Queen and the way she would word everything was worded as if they were together, but keeping it private. I mean, we have the screenshots. Detectives have it. 
of her saying, I know Queen's Heart is in the right place. We were just the last two people to have seen her or been with her. And I'm just like, okay, well, (laughs) if you guys are the last two people that have been with her, then what happened? Sarah's Facebook post Caitlin is referring to doesn't say exactly that, but close. Her exact wording in the post is, quote, we were just two of the last people to see her. Anyhow, when Bailey's mom Jane heard the news about Queen and Sarah, I even messaged her mother saying, you need to get your daughter away from that Queen, but she never messaged me back. Bailey's friend Jessica, who lived down the street from her in Queen, recalls Queen telling her he was dating a new girl named Sarah not long after Bailey went missing. She moved in um, actually really quick because I remember when this whole thing was all fresh um, and, you know, I was still like, everyone was still looking for Bailey. Everyone was just so fresh. Jessica was surprised he'd be dating anyone new so fast. But initially, she didn't realize that Sarah was Bailey's friend, Sarah. When I did find out that was her friend, like after seeing them post pictures on Facebook together, I was like, what the heck is going on? This girl, Sarah, she talked highly of, I mean, she considered her one of her best friends. And it's just, I don't know, mind-blowing to me. Bailey's good friend Maddie says she was in shock when she heard about the new couple. Not even two months after your supposed best friend at the time disappears, you're now moved in with this 43-year-old man sleeping with him, carrying on a relationship, and the um, tides have turned in how he feels about Bailey's disappearance. It went from, I miss you, please come home to me, where are you, I love you, to she left me, She chose to do this. She got in some black sedan with a Mexican guy and drove off. I haven't seen her since. And it's like, hmm. You know, it just really makes you stop and wonder, what are you talking about? (laughs) Where did your thought process go on that? You you got some new Nikki and now you just don't care anymore? Not only did they look alike, but they're both the same age. It appeared Queen had a type, but before dating Bailey and then Sarah, Queen was married to a woman his age. They had children together. They went to football games, had family parties. From the outside, they seemed like a normal suburban couple with fine jobs, living in a nice house. Photos online show it has four big bedrooms and bathrooms, big walk-in closets, a spacious new kitchen, and a big, well-manicured backyard. But eventually their marriage fell apart and their living situation morphed into an arrangement of sorts. When detectives interviewed her, she said she and Queen separated about eight years into their marriage because Queen had an affair. But they decided to keep living together as a family. They also lived with Queen's mother. And then in late 2017, the house got a little more full when Matt Queen moved in his new girlfriend, Bailey. Bailey's mom, Jane, said the entire situation was difficult to comprehend. I'm like, why are you moving in with his wife and kids? That's not a normal thing to do. Jane begged her not to, but Bailey's mind was made up. She told her mom it was all fine, not as weird as it seemed. 
Bailey's friend Jessica, who lived down the street from Queens, says she could never understand it. What do his kids think? You know, are they, like, mad or, you know, it just seems weird to me. Like, I don't know. I wouldn't be able to do it. And she was like, no, you know, we're, we all get along here. And him and his wife understand their situation. And I just had a feeling the wife didn't like her the whole time because it was just awkward. It was just awkward when they were all there together. And then just the age difference between her and his oldest son and stuff. Bailey was just a few years older than Queen's oldest son. And somewhat adding to the strangeness of it all, Jane, Bailey's mom, worked at his high school. There was no doubt that Matt Queen had an odd love life. And if the case had just been Bailey going missing, it would have all seemed pretty textbook. A guy's girlfriend vanishes, and then he couples up with her friend. Most people would agree. It looks suspicious. But this wasn't that simple. It wasn't just Bailey missing. It was also Micah, and then this alleged ghost gun ring they were involved in. And their friend James had just been murdered. It was a lot to untangle and try to figure out what connections were significant and what were red herrings. And if it wasn't already complicated enough, myself and fellow crime reporter at 17 News, Jason Katowski, started hearing things like this. It's one of the few times in my career where I've kind of almost been warned, hey, you don't want to dig too deep on this one, which was unusual for me and, and a little scary too, you know, when you get told that. Like, I remember one person just telling me, hey, these are really bad guys. They are, you know, they just make, these are the type of guys that make people disappear. So I was kind of warned, and it was a friendly warning. It was from someone who I, I know very well. It wasn't, you know, hey, you better not look into this. It was a, hey, just be careful what you're doing here because from what we're hearing, there's... There could be, there's the potential that all sorts of different violent groups are involved in this. At this time, Jason was still working at the newspaper, the Bakersfield Californian. I considered him almost a rival of sorts. Mostly I was just jealous of his excellent reporting and Rolodex of sources. And like any good reporter, you never reveal your sources. But I'm pretty sure we had at least one source in common because I was hearing the exact same things. The whispers about violent, dangerous people being involved came around the same time Matt Queen decided to delete his Facebook page, which had been my only window into his life and his thoughts. He announced he'd be taking down his account with a very long, perplexing message. I've taken out a few chunks to shorten it. Even so, it's lengthy. It reads, quote, A very smart, very beautiful person once told me that if I'm always angry, then I'm living in the past. If I'm always stressed, I'm living in the future. That if I wanted to be happy, then I need to live in the present. I'm so tired of being angry and stressed. I just want to go back to being happy. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to delete this profile along with all the rest of my social media. I'm going to stop listening to all the gossip and the rantings of the weak-minded sheep with nothing better to do than bump their gums with shit they don't know about. I'm going to do my very best to ignore the insults and allegations made by the bitter, the ignorant, the arrogant, the envious, the lonely, the scared, and the delusional. I'm pretty sure anybody actually reading this knows what I'm talking about, which brings me to the hardest part of this. It's time for me to let go, Bailey. I'm sorry I couldn't protect you. I'm sorry I failed you. But the more I try to dig into what happened, the more I discovered who the real Bailey was. I don't know if you'll read this. I don't know if you even care, but I'm letting go. 
Remember this, though. You didn't fail me, and you were enough. Before I go, I thought I'd drop a little knowledge on all of you sleuthing drama junkies. I have heard an unlimited amount of theories as to what happened to Bailey. Is she missing? Did she leave? Is she dead or alive? If she's dead, who did it? Is she connected to Micah? Is Micah dead or alive? How'd they know each other? Well, none of it matters to Jane Parent. All of her theories lead back to me being the bad guy. The truth is you hated me from day one because of my age and because I gave Bailey a way out. A way to get away from you, Jane. Let's be honest with everybody. Bailey ran away. For the third time now, Jane. Not at all to say she is not being looked for. Something is not right about all of this. But it's been made very clear to me that none of it is my business. I have learned all I need to about this mess. And as far as her connection to Micah goes, yes, they knew each other long before I met either of them. So are their disappearances connected? I don't fucking know. But I will say this. The only reason I ever involved myself with Micah and Bailey together, the connection that exists between us, is that Micah knew about the bad shit that's happening to young women in Bakersfield. He knew about girls getting drugged, raped, abducted. He knew names of people doing it and names of people helping. Micah tried playing both sides of the fence, which I believe ultimately led to his disappearance. So here I stand, next to the only one brave enough to speak the truth. I love you, Sarah. Everybody thinks I'm the boogeyman because I knew both Bailey and Micah, and they're both missing. My point to all of this is simply to say, I'm not your bad guy. I'm simply Jane's boogeyman. Jane Parent, I'm sorry your daughter is missing. You should have done a better job of being an actual parent and maybe she wouldn't have ran away. Acknowledge your faults, your disorder, and your disease. Then get help. Stay away from me, my friends, my family, and pray. After reading this rambling declaration, I looked down at a Bakersfield 3 flyer on my desk. Under the glossy photos of the three of them smiling read, connect the dots for three friends. All I could think was, what the hell was going on here? Just seemed like an episode of The Sopranos. Who hears that? We're just middle income, suburban family. And our young adult son is telling us about people locking him in their trunk and hauling him to an orchard and holding a gun to his head. That's next time on the Bakersfield Three.